Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Now, my website is heavenattheendofscience.com, where you can learn about my book of the same name and my own views about the debate between science and religion. Now, the purpose of this show is to break through the common beliefs and perceptions that tell us how to think about the world and ourselves. Unless we question these beliefs, we will never know if they are correct. Now, the most common beliefs we hold are rooted in the scientific worldview. This is a way of thinking that is sort of like the operating systems to our mindsets. We have handed scientists a job of giving us a system to understand the world. In response to that, they have drawn models of reality. The model that uh, currently guides the way we view the world goes by many names, but one of them is called the quantum field theory. In each instance, scientists develop a model and then, as, as the thinking goes, they compare the model to reality. Now, none other than Albert Einstein gave a standard to judge the completeness of a physical theory. He said, whatever the meaning assigned to the term complete, the following requirements of a complete theory seems to be necessary. Every element of the physical reality must have a counterpart in the physical theory. So, the, so the, the idea here is to conform a model, a theory, with the physical world, to have them correlate, to have them align with each other. For those who, who want a more common example, the one that comes to my mind is when a, base, when a basketball coach calls timeout and draws up a play on a piece of paper for his players. He's drawing up a model of how he wants the players to move on court to score a basket or to defend the goal. Now, science is the same way, except science, we are trying to draw a model that aligns, that aligns with the physical world that is supposed to be independent of theory. According to the scientific method, if the model or hypothesis does not fit the data, it means there's something wrong with the theory, not something wrong with the data. For as John Adams, our second president, said in a different context, facts are stubborn things. Now, if you decide that instead of adopting a different model, to change the data or the facts to fit the model, we have a word for that. The word is fudging, or adding a fudge factor. Now the term fudge has an uncertain origin in this context. It seems the term can be traced back to the 17th century, and in its earliest sense it meant to contrive clumsily. Contrive clum clumsily, an example of an etymology that perhaps says it all. This is also a really good word to look up in a dictionary, by the way, because there's all sorts of helpful definitions. Another one is to act dishonestly to cheat. Wikipedia defines fudge factor as a quantity introduced into a calculation to fudge the results, to make them match better what happens in the real world. We have a good example of fudging with the current crisis in global warming, where it looks like some climatologists who very much want global warming to be true, in fact, fudge the data to show a warming trend not reflected in the real world. So maybe there's global warming, maybe there's not. But when you fudge the data, when you alter the data to um, advance a preconceived notion, rather than just look at the data, your uh, thesis loses credibility. Now, this show is about fudging on an entirely different scale. It's not the sort of fudging we'll read about in Newsweek, the New York Times, or Scientific American, and it's not yet made the show 60 Minutes. But it may very well be the biggest and most outrageous fudging of them all. 
our scientists, even those who have won the Nobel Prize in physics, may be fudging the very theories of reality. Now, this is important because this theory, the quantum field theory, the standard model of particle physics, are taught in school, they're written in textbooks, and they're uh, guiding the popular scientist uh, books out there on the shelves, including, for example, A Universe from Nothing by Lawrence Krauss talks about it, and Lisa Randell in her book uh, Unraveling the Mysteries of the Universe's Hidden Dimensions uh, also talks about uh, fudging. But to challenge this fudging, to open up the problem, to expose it, is heretical in today's mainstream science. It's blasphemy. But let's ignore this problem for a moment, and let's just be scientific about it. Let's look at the facts. Now, today our guest is Dr. Christopher Oakley, who is kind enough to join us today from the United Kingdom. Dr. Oakley has a degree from the Department of Theoretical Physics at Oxford University, and then after spending, after spending some time in the academic community, he now works on programming for a number of financial institutions. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Oakley, for joining us. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's nice to talk to you. Okay, now the reason why we're t we, I wanted to have you on the show, uh, Dr. Oakley, is that you've stuck your neck out and challenged uh, the scientific use of, of this fudge factor. Uh, I think it goes by a bigger name. I think the name is called renormalization. Is that right? Yeah, and renormalization. I mean, uh, shall I explain the etymology a little more? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we talk? Why don't we set the table for the listener for, for a moment? Why don't you go ahead and ex and explain this? Yeah. Well, uh, basically, um, quantum mechanics was a victim of its own success. Um, it was devised originally around 1925, and um, within about five years, um, they were actually struggling to find new things to explain with quantum mechanics because it, it just seemed to be so good. Um, initially, it was to explain atomic spectra, but they were soon extending it to, that's just in very simple atoms like the hydrogen atom, but soon they were finding it was applying to pretty much everything they looked, looked at. But one area where it fell down in um, was um, when particles are created and destroyed. Now, this happens quite a lot. Um, whenever uh, you switch on a bulb, for example, um, what happens is the atoms uh, move from excited to de-excited states, and in the process, they admit, they create a new particle, which is called a photon, and the photon is what comprises light. And the theory that they came up with, the quantum mechanical theory, was called quantum electrodynamics. Um, the problem is um, it only works if you don't ask too many questions. And one of the original founders, um, Paul Dirac, who's probably one of the most unsung heroes of physics. Um, he's, he's a very well-known physicist, but hardly known at all outside the physics world. And yet he was pretty much of the caliber of Einstein. He never, um, he never accepted it. And Richard Feynman, who more people have heard of, um, never accepted it really either. But apart from those two, um, it, it, it's pretty much heretical to um, to um, say that quantum electrodynamics doesn't work. And at the the core of this non-functionality is this process called renormalization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So we we read a lot about how uh, 
quantum electrodynamics is the most accurate theory ever devised about how it, its predictions are good to several decimal places past a part in a billion and and its guides uh, the working of technology and it's the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, what, well what what is what is the what is the underlying problem here what is well uh, the, the thing is, there's no, um, um, there's no sort of um, definite level at which a theory has to apply. Um, so I could, um, if I'm allowed to come up with not very um, elaborate theories, I can explain, explain an awful lot. Um, if I want to come up with a, a very deep theory, um, then it's harder and there's more chance of it being proved wrong. Now, it's, the, 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 the way, if you're allowed to cheat in getting your 11 significant figures of precision in quantum electrodynamics, then, um, then of course you can get it. I mean, I can just say my theory is that the muon's anomalous magnetic moment is, and then write down the number, uh, which and I know that number from experiment, and then I can say my theory then works. The muon's magnetic moment is indeed that number. But what's the, you know, what does that prove? The answer is not very much. Um, I mean, they have the theory of quantum electrodynamics that is in operation now and has been for, um, well, probably over 50, well, well over 50 years, um, is... Um, is essentially one where you have, they have allowed themselves to violate basic rules of mathematics. So even if they've got this position, it only raises more questions as to why, because there's no underlying explanation that, that, that goes back to the principles of quantum mechanics. Okay, so we, we, we've used some pretty strong words here. In my introduction, I did use the word cheat. Um, and, and I did use the word fudge factor. Now, and, and you just used the word cheat. Let's let's try to describe why this is cheating. Why? What is wrong with renormalization? What what is what is the what is the um, the trick, the mathematical trick here? Well, uh, the, they come in various shapes and sizes. Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, someone fudging an experiment in order to demonstrate global warming. Um, before I go any further, I, I would like to point out that I'm agnostic on this. I don't have strong views pro or against. Um, right. But um, on the other hand, the, the process of fudging experiments, I do have very strong views on. And um, it doesn't actually prove anything. If you're allowed to um, change the results um, to suit you know, so-called experimental results, then you have proved absolutely nothing. Um, the difference between the fudging a, 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 an experiment, uh, whether it's climate change or whatever, um, uh, and what happens in renormalization is that in, in, in quantum field theory, the results aren't wrong, they're infinite, so they're worse than wrong. Um, what happens is the mathematics just simply does not work. You, you get, when you do a calculation for a very simple process, for example, um, the radiation of a photon from an excited atom, which happens billions of times every time you know you have a light bulb on for a second, um, then um, 
if you get an infinite result, it's not merely wrong. It's just meaningless. The mathematics doesn't make any sense. And what, what renormalization amounts to is um, putting in um, artificial limits on the, uh, on the calculation that prevent the, the results from becoming infinite. But the, 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 the remedy for this is not that, it's just to pair up the, pair everything up and start again. You know, you, you cannot fudge an infinite answer to a finite one. It's even worse than fudging a, a, a finite one to a different finite one. Yeah, now, now I'm, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm going to try to describe the way I understand this in very simple terms. And, and the way I understand this is that if you are consistent in applying the principles of quantum theory yes. to, to particles and forces, then you come up with an infinite answer. And that, that would be, some people say it's the virtual particles, and I guess it's the, you know, the vacuum energy, and et cetera, et cetera. But, but just to be very simple, if you're consistent, you get infinite answers. And, and obviously, if you're working on a problem and it comes out, your answer comes out to have an infinite uh, uh, value in it, you know something must be wrong, right? Well, so, it depends on what you're, um, what you're trying to measure. I mean, there are some things that could quite legitimately be infinite. Uh, I mean, for example, we believe that the photon has mass zero. So if the quantity you were calculating was a reciprocal of that mass, then it, it would be infinite. But... Um, the point is that the infinite quantities they're calculating are things that are perfectly measurable and perfectly finite that you can calculate in the laboratory. So they obviously should not be infinite. I see, I see. So, so, so what is, what is the, the problem here then? Then they, they have this quantum field theory, uh, which, which is the mathematical structure or the mathematical rules for the model. But the actual data there that they measure is not infinite. Is that no, that, well, that's right. That well, right? Of, course, okay. of course not, yes, okay. because, okay. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be able to measure it. Right. Um, you know, something like, for example, the scattering cross-section in, in Compton scattering is a very well-defined thing that can be set up in a laboratory, and it obviously won't be infinite because, you know, you wouldn't be able to do the experiment if it was. Um, the, uh, the quant just, just to explain a little... Um, quantum mechanics concerns systems where um, there, are, there are no particles created and destroyed. And um, it, as, I, as I explained earlier, it's probably one of the most successful scientific theories of all, of all time. And certainly one that has impacted um, humanity possibly more than anything else because we wouldn't have semiconductors. If, if people hadn't understood quantum theory. Without semiconductors, we wouldn't have modern computers, modern communication, etc. Right. Um, now, quantum field theory is the extension of quantum mechanics to allow for the creation and destruction of particles, um, most notably photons, because photons were the first particle that people ever were interested in over and above the particles comprising matter. Um, and... Um, because, of course, light is, is everywhere, and light is something that is of huge interest to us. Um, but 
the problem was that once you extended quantum mechanics in what seemed like the obvious way in order to allow for creation and destruction of, of particles, then it, you, suddenly all these inf infinities started to appear. Okay, so, so if here come the infinities, and so the, the choice seems to be either come up with a different theory or different mathematics where there are no infinities or to or to um, dust the infinities under the rug? Well, yes, and, and I can tell you, uh, without um, any danger of contradiction for many people currently working in the business, that the choice has been made for the latter. Right, right, right. right. It's a sweep. Okay, now how is that done? How, how have these infinities been swept under the rug? Well, I mean, there, there's all sorts of ways of doing it. I mean, they have um, dimensional regularization, where what you do is assume that the number of space-time dimensions is something other than uh, three space and one time. So, in other words, four, which is the, the standard. And then you calculate in this weird number of dimensions, and then you have a process called a limit, where you pretend that you can extend that back to three plus one dimensions. Um, another one's a very the much more simple one is is you take um, integrals, which is you know um, a mathematical uh, construct associated with calculus and which appears a lot in quantum theory, and then you arrange the integral. You you basically cut it off. So you say an integral that would um, go up to infinity doesn't. It goes up to a cutoff level, and then. You, the, the cutoff then becomes a parameter. It's not something that makes any kind of mathematical sense, but people seem to be quite comfortable doing it. The the again to put yeah. this in simple terms, the way I I view I, this is is you have an infinity, uh, a value of infinity on one side of an equation, and on the other side of the equation you add a negative infinity. <laughs> Well, that's it, how they. Yes, that's right. That, that is, is how it. Is, that's is what that it amounts simple? to. I mean, and 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 I and there's yes. this there's this term called renormalizable, which yes. if you read if you read some of these popular science books, and and the reason why this is an important topic, folks, is because this is this is a subject in many of the best-selling popular science books, such as the Grand Design, as I mentioned. It's in Lawrence Krauss's new book. Um, uh, a, a universe from nothing. If you if you look for the word infinities or renormalizable or fudge, you'll you'll find a discussion on this. But but what's 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 amazing to me is this concept of renormalizable, where it where it looks as if to me the physicists have gotten lazy, where they've said, well, let's if if there's a theory that even though there's errors in it, even though there's infinities, if it's renormalizable or or put in different words, if it's fudgeable, then it's okay with us. Because and and, and is that something that you've that you've noticed this concept of renormalizable? Uh, oh yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, quantum field theories are classified into um, renormalizable and non-renormalizable. Um, I make no distinction, but I, I'm in a minority of one in this. Um, uh, everyone, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're both broken, and uh, both categories are broken, but that's the reason why we don't have a quantum theory of gravity, is because they can't figure out uh, a renormalizable way of doing it. Um, but, um, no, I mean, it, it, essentially they have a, 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 a rule book, 
um, for doing renormalization, and, and no doubt there is something in it. It's just my argument is that you know they're claiming to drive a Cadillac when in fact they're driving a beat-up old Fiat Panda. You know, essentially this the quality of the product is much lower than they're they're leading you to believe. It, there there is a rule book, and it's you know they are following their own rules, but the rules are not very deep. Um, and it seems that if you point this out at some point, then people just try to pretend you don't exist. It, it, it's amazing to me, and I, this, yeah. is, this is going to be sort of a strong statement, but I, it's amazing to me that some of our leading scientists actually, actually believe that they're going to come up with a theory of, et, of everything that includes a fudgeable, a fudgeable or renormalizable term. It, 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 it can't be right. How can they? How can they expect there to be a theory of everything, as as Einstein and others envisioned, that has a factor that they're making up? Well, we actually have double standards here. Uh, whenever I confront uh, any one of my former colleagues or other people in particle physics directly on the issue, at least in, on the record, um, um, they more or less agree with me. Sorry, off the record. If they, if they, if it's off the record, they more or less agree with me, and that this is something they would rather not have to do. This whole renormalization thing. Um, and and one of the things that was selling supergravity. This is thirty years ago when I was working on related areas. Um, was the fact that it was finite. I mean, what they call finite is what I call consistent. In other words, you don't have to do renormalization. Right. And if they're going to say this thing is so wonderful, um, it's finite, you know, gasp, you know, they're amazed and they're happy about this, and that's why they should work on it, then they should not at the same time um, be saying that renormalization is okay. Because if they are impressed by something that doesn't have to use renormalization, they should be consistent. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I think that think we're entering and, now uh, into yeah. this area of sociology, and yeah. you you talk about this in your um, on your website, and you cite a couple, uh, I, I think one book in particular, which is the book on string theory, uh, called "Not Not Even Wrong" by Peter Voigt. And there's another, work, yes. right, there's yes. another one that's very that's similar by Lee Smolin, The Trouble with Physics. That's all about, yes. And and they're both about string theory and about how, unless you join the band, um, and go along with the mainstream uh, scientists, physicists who are studying string theory, then you're not going to get admitted. You're not going to get the grants. You're not going to get the jobs, the PhDs. And this, to me, is very similar, but it could even be worse. Um, it, it, do you agree with that? I mean, you, you've essentially been ostracized because you don't go along with renormalization. Is that, is that right? Well, no, that, that, well, that is true, yes. I mean, certainly, um, I, I would put it um, slightly differently. I would say that um, the onus was very much on me to choose a fashionable topic in 1984 when I was applying for postdoctoral jobs and looking at ways of avoiding renormalization was not a fashionable topic so that, that, that's why I didn't get any anywhere with my job applications right. so in other words that, that it straight straight is the path that leads to salvation you know you have to choose very specific 
areas, uh, lines of inquiry, so that somebody will take you on. Um, and because the older, what was then the older generation for me, was had failed to solve this problem, the assumption was that I couldn't, and there was no point in me even trying. Um, but you know, since I found out that that, that um, a lot of the ideas I, I, I had looked at as ways around innovation were far from being new, it's just that people had um, not followed them up. Uh, interestingly. Well, well, what do you think this says about the state of science today? The, the fact that uh, new ideas, or even radical ideas, that challenge uh, the, the orthodox viewpoint are shutted to the side and ignored, um, where, where to me, I thought science was supposed to be the open-minded, objective inquiry into the truth. Uh, what do you think about what this says about the state of science? Well, I mean, science is made up of human beings. Um, human beings are motivated by things other than um, the pure quest of truth most of the time. Um, the unique um, thing about particle physicists is that they would, and I think it's changing now because the subject is slightly uh, being eclipsed by um, molecular biology and other areas where the brightest people go. But it's certainly when I was applying, um, the brightest people in the sense of the top mathematicians and physicists would be going into particle physics. physics. And, you know, I cannot, can't in all honesty say that I was one of them because I, I got good marks, but I wasn't top of my class. Um, but on the other hand, I, I was good enough to get a research post. So. Um, it gave me a chance, but, but you see, the point is, there's no one. If if someone is at the top, there's no one to tell them they're wrong, and and that was been was the issue, the problem with the likes of Feynman. He was so brilliant that even when he was he was making a mistake, there, there was no one who felt qualified to tell him that he was wrong. And I think this same generally. I mean, in fact, Feynman was better than average at sort of knowing when to uh, apply a correction to the pillar. But uh, the problem is, is if the best and brightest mathematicians and physicists in the world are doing something stupid, um, who's going to tell them that they're doing something stupid? Yeah, it reminds me of the the importance of thought leaders, and that's that's the I think the term that best describes the situation. As you say, if the thought leaders, the people writing the textbooks, getting the Nobel Prizes are going along with this approach, it's awfully hard to change the direction. Now, it seems like every other show I mentioned the same quote from um, Max Planck who said that science progresses funeral by funeral, um, which I think is sort of a not exactly the most optimistic way to to view things, but it, it's 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 amazing to me that we don't have more people raising their hands, more leaders raising their hands and saying this is this has got to stop. And, and I I um I think the analogy to to global warming, although it's not a precise analogy, but if you look at at what impact the climate gate or the implication that some scientists fudge the data or fudge the results to support the hockey stick or, or to support this concept of, 
of man-caused global warming, what impact that's had on on greenhouse gas emissions and the whole area of global warming. I, I, I'm in that area, and it's 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 been it's had a very big impact. Uh, the whenever the leaders are accused of doctoring the data, it really hurts the cause. And I I don't see why we don't have the same thing going on um, in, in, in quantum field theory. It seems like it's going to happen because it just isn't right. right. Well, uh, no, probably not in my lifetime. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm quite amazed at how utterly resistant anyone who's actually in the field I talk to is to asking questions about the immunization. Yeah. Um, their view is you know, this 11 significant figures of agreement for quantum electrodynamics uh, can't be a coincidence. Uh, there must be something in it. I don't doubt there's something in it, but it's, it doesn't mean that you should give up, you know, um, finding the deeper explanation. Um, I, I, I just want to ask you, that, that, that 11, and this is, this, is for, this is for clarity here, that 11 decimal places of, of correlation which, yeah. which is the QED, quantum electrodynamics. Yes. Um, yes. Is that after subtracting the infinities? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that's so so that's in, that's sort of important because when when you cheat to get the right answer, you're still cheating. So, well, so, so I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to get clear on that. Okay. No, no, no. no interrupt away. It's it, it is obviously cheating. Yeah. Um, but I think the point is, is that if they, if they got say 1.5 uh, for the the enormous magnetic moment, the electron, and then say, oh, that can't be right. Let's change it to 1.00 whatever it was, uh, which was the experimental result. Then people would immediately raise a flag and said, well, you're obviously cheating. But they don't cheat there. They cheat much further upstream. Yeah. Or downstream, upstream, upstream. Yeah, upstream. Um, uh, but my concern is they're not, you know, any assumptions or any sort of extra um, baggage being added to it should be done right at the start. You shouldn't be allowed to sort of start on the quantum field theory path and then say, oh, well, we sort of seem to have it right, but this infinity is very inconvenient. Let's let's just sort of change that. You know that that is not science. That is just stupidity. Yeah, you know, and once again, it seems as if uh, a lot of the literature on on modern science, physics, cosmology, there's always a, a couple pages or maybe a chapter on the scientific method and about how science is always progressing. They never really have a right theory. They only have better, you know, they're in the search for a better theory, a more complete theory. And all that seems to be true as, as, as an aspiration. But with, super, with string theory and with this, this quantum field theory and the renormalization, it seems as if some people, and maybe we have to say the thought leaders, have given up questioning their own theories. And, and 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 that that bothers me. Uh, when when I, it just I think me. I would certainly say that um, um, the the kind of hard headedness that the generation who were active around and immediately before immediately before and immediately after World War Two, I'm thinking of the original um, quantum mechanics and then the likes of Feynman and so on. 
the hard-headedness of them seems to have, been, have gone away over the years. Um, uh, and although that may have made them obnoxious human beings, um, sometimes, um, it was fruitful in terms of science. Uh, we seem to have moved into an age where, where they're hippies, you know, they, yeah. there isn't actually any very clear right and wrong. You know, you can say anything and people, everyone will agree with you, but it's, that's not interesting. It's much more interesting if someone disagrees and explains why, because then you, 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 can, you can gain understanding that way. Um, anything goes. I mean, string theory, it seems anything's possible. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, if, if, it, if anything's possible, then it's not a scientific theory. Yeah, yeah. You know, I read recently in Scientific American, I think, you know, there's been a couple of good articles uh, in that magazine recently about the multiverse and about the inflationary Big Bang. And one of them, I forget which article, I think it was Paul Steinhardt, who said something like, a theory that explains everything explains nothing. Which, which is, which is a good way to put it for, um, for, for super string theory. I, I, I want to emphasize something here that even though you are a, a radical in, in actually questioning renormalization, you have very good company uh, on your, on your, on the front page of your, um, your, your website, or at least this, the, the article on your website. You have two quotes: one from Paul uh, Dirac and one from Richard Feynman both of whom seriously question uh, renormalization. In fact, Richard Feynman calls it a dippy process, which sounds like fudging to me. And he, he also uses the word hocus pocus. <laughs> uh, and, then, and, then, and then Durack calls it a stopgap uh, procedure. So it's important for the listener to understand that we're not talking about some far out um, idea here. We're talking about questioning whether quantum field theory with renormalization is the final complete theory of physical reality um, or, or whether it can be since it includes such a gigantic fudge factor. Uh, now, now let's, let's just talk briefly about um, this famous God particle, the Higgs particle. Is that something you've been following as well? Oh, well, uh, how can one not? Yeah. Um, I even took out a bet on an online gambling site and <laughs> made myself about $25 by betting that they wouldn't find the Higgs in 2011. I'm not sure I would do the same thing for 2012, then. Well, it's, um, yeah. Well, what, what is, let's, let's describe for a second. I mean, we, we, we've talked about, on this show, I've talked a little bit about the, about the Higgs particle, believe it or not, because um, it's got such a catchy name. Uh, mm. you know, the God particle. But is there a relationship between the search for the Higgs particle and and the quantum field theory problems or renormalization? Is, is there a relationship between the two? Uh, yes, there is. Um, because uh, quantum electrodynamics, uh, which just describes fermions, which mostly means photon, uh, electrons, I mean, and photons, uh, which is light, um, is um, extended to deal with um, the weak interaction. Uh, and the electroweak theory to which the Higgs is regarded as the solution um, is essentially a, a, a sort of slightly more elaborate version of quantum, of quantum electrodynamics. 
Um, so yes, they're very much the same thing. And you still have to do renormalization um, with the Higgs particle. In fact, the reason why, um, or let me just explain a little bit more. Um, the photon um, has zero rest mass, as I, as I probably mentioned earlier, and as I'm sure a lot of listeners will appreciate. Um, but the particles that mediate the weak interaction do not. They're quite heavy. Um, and if you have heavy um, radiation-type particles, like for the weak interaction, or, or even a massive photon, the theory is not renormalizable. And the, 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 Higgs, the Higgs boson was created as a way of getting around the non-renormalizability of the theory. So, I mean, the, the, the things are very, very closely connected. Yeah, and, and, and once again, we have um, a problem here because uh, physicists and cosmologists talk in such a technical language and they're so and they're so far down the path of trying to authenticate their theories that to explain this to the common person on the street usually meets with uh, glazed eyes, and and that's why uh, you know I started off by talking about a model and reality. Now and and so what we're talking about here is we're talking about a theory or a model of reality that modern scientists are trying to develop to describe what reality is and what we're what we're learning from the renormalization is that scientists are making things up they're cheating they're fudging um, the data or the mathematics to make their favorite theory conform to how they want reality to be the Higgs particle which is this uh, uh, theoretical particle that's supposed to supply mass to the other particles is is a is a missing piece of the puzzle that in my mind it 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 it's it's a it's a piece that they need to fill in the blanks right or or, or to fill in some missing theoretical or mathematical gap is yeah that's right? absolutely right um yeah. it, it's um it's a I mean, I really, really hope that the signals of the Higgs are turn out to be false, because if 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 they turn out to be correct, then it will give a new lease of life to um, what is essentially a flawed theory. Right. But I mean, the framework such as they have it, with the renormalization and everything, um, does require it to be there. Um, uh, I don't see why it needs to be there at all. Um, it, 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 it's... And, um, um, maybe there is some deep reason, but for whatever reason they have, it's not very deep at the moment. It, it, it's based on a flawed framework. Right, right. And I think that this is important, and one, one down-to-earth way this is important is because uh, the Large Hadron Collider, this, this super collider particle accelerator in Switzerland, um, cost about $6 billion. It's, it's about, there's thousands of scientists working there. I think the U.S. put in something like three to five hundred million dollars, and twenty-five other countries uh, help fund it. This device is looking for all of these missing pieces to the puzzle. It's 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 intended to, what I think is to propagate the wrong theory. <laughs> right. I well, mean, 
Yeah, but it's an experiment. Right. Um, that, that's the whole point. And, and I can assure you the quality of people working on these experiments is very, very high. I mean, if, if there is no pigs there, they will, they will not fudge it. And you can't fudge it. The more people are involved in the, in the collaboration, um, the less, the harder it is to cheat, because there's yep. always going to be someone who's going to put their hand up and say, "No, you, you can't do that." Yeah, um, that's true. So, so um, uh, I, I have no question about their integrity and, uh, and so on. But the danger is, is if they're if they're using flawed theories to decide what they should be researching, then um, they're wasting a lot of time, energy, and money. Yeah. Um, you know, someone needs to come up with something a bit more um, solid uh, on the theoretical front um, but to give them. But you see, the problem is it's the other way around. Is someone like me who works from first principles um, and tries to observe mathematical proprieties, like not doing renormalization, uh, does not have. Um, uh, a suggestion uh, as to what they should be looking for, whereas with renormalized, um, you know, Yang Mills theories, which is what they're using, you know, spontaneously broken uh, symmetries, um, they do. They say, well, we there must be a Higgs particle there. It's very boring for an experimenter not to be told what they should be looking for, and it's very hard to fill in a grant proposal. Um, you know, on the basis of a wing and a prayer, you, it's much easier to do it if there's a very specific thing you're looking for. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a better way to, to express my point, perhaps, because it goes back to this uh, this um, idea that if the thought leaders, if the um, most uh, honored uh, scientists in the field are following this theoretical pathway, then it's hard to dislodge them and get the funding, the money, the attention to ex to try and experiment with some other theory, right? Right. There. Uh, that's true, but uh, I mean the big problem with me is I wouldn't be able to say tell them what to 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 look for, yeah. you know, because it's still very preliminary, and I haven't actually been in full, a full time researcher for right. decades, um, but. Um, I would hope that we would have, you know, assuming they find all the particles that theoreticians predict, and don't forget, we theoreticians have had a pretty good run for their money. I mean, the W boson, the Z boson in the 80s, those were all discovered, and they were where people thought they would be in terms of mass and energy, etc. And um, in a way, it's been a victim of its own success. Uh, and that and that is that is the big problem. I mean, I, one one thing from um, Leon Letterman's yeah. book, The God Particle, that's, all, that's always stayed with me is that he said something on there about uh, the goal of science uh, or physics is to have a theory that'll fit on a T-shirt, and yeah. and that that's 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 a nice goal, and that to me means it could be understood. But but when these theories get so far afield into the math, and of course string theory is a whole other world, it's it's a little hard to imagine the common person ever understanding it or, or ever wanting to understand it. 
Well, they don't even understand it themselves. They don't even know what string theory actually is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the best way it was described was by um, um, the talk, you know, the Dutch um, physicist, Nobel laureate, who just said it's a hunch. You know, it's not a theory, right. it's just right. a hunch. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I cannot claim any, you know, deep knowledge of string theory other than the anecdotes. So yeah. I never really got into it. Um, but it, to me, it's, it's just another example of the lack of hard-headedness. You know, as I was saying, this, 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 this quality of, uh, of being discriminating seems to have just missed, you know, a couple of generations of physicists. Ed Whitten says that string theory is cool, so suddenly thousands of others are studying it. I mean, don't they ever think for themselves? Yeah, and and as you point out in your in your article, um, Brian Greene is is a real good salesman. He has uh, his his books are, are are good except for the last one, um, which I th thought was hard to read. But he came out with very nice looking, well written books. You know, the Elegant Universe and the Fabric of the Cosmos, um, talking about how great and cool string theory is and it sounds like wow this is this is really a neat thing to do until you get into the details um, and I, that's what was so refreshing about um, Peter w um, Watt's book and uh, the, and Lee Smolin's book is really basically saying where they said uh, there's no there's no experiment that can ever prove it right um, Prove it right or prove it wrong. I mean, right. that's the problem. Is if you can't prove it wrong, it's not a scientific theory. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, no. I mean, actually, I have to say, uh, my interaction with Brian Green was, which was a long time ago in Oxford, was good. I thought he he, he was this clever guy who, who was, you know, doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, obviously, I wouldn't agree with his view on string theory because. Um, um, it's just a huge staircase to nowhere. Well, well, my my um, first of all, I I think that Brian Greene is obviously a very talented, intelligent um, yes. person, and he writes well. My problem is 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 the is the forthrightness issue. Is who who out there says here here are theories and here's what we don't know. He, there's there's so few people there's so few books you could read other than um, folks who are in more of the new age spiritual um, genre who are who are trying to exp who expose what they don't know and, and and we're not saying to admit that you're wrong but we're saying what I'm saying is tell us where the gaps are so at least at least be honest about it that that's that's my problem with with a lot of these with a lot of these books out. Well, yes. I mean, the, the thing is, establishing the truth is what you might call a negative thing. You know, you, you're mostly looking for things to fail rather than for things to work. Uh, right. you know, and testing a theory like Newtonian theory doesn't quite work when things are traveling very fast. So you're saying Newton was wrong. Um, uh, this quote from Planck you you had about um, you know physics progressing from funeral to funeral. Well, um, that's the way I look on it is it's essentially each um, each new generation of theory is, is, is an entity in itself. And right. effectively what it does is it, it, it makes the previous version irrelevant. It doesn't 
it builds on it only in the sense that it gives it clues as to you know where to start but essentially it's a place it is it, it's, it's more like um it is more like people um you know living and dying it's it's like you have newton and then he dies and then you have i don't know who was immediately after newton but you eventually get to einstein and then when einstein dies someone needs to come up with something better than his theory or he carries on living for a few more generations if what he's done is really, really great. Right. But um, it's a basically it's a process of replacing, not enhancing the pre the previous theory. I mean it's enhancing in a sense, but mostly it's about a surgical removal of the previous theory and supplanting it with something else. Yeah, I thought that your 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 point that you right. made earlier about um Science still has people is really the is really a uh, insightful point, sort of an well, obvious point. But it, but but it's sort of like it maybe you know it's hard not to be subjective. Uh, well, that's right. But I mean, I would say that there are some very good physicists alive today, but they're not in particle physics. Right. You know, you the people who are well, not in theory anyway. I I think probably some of the best physicists are ones working at the Large Hadron Collider on yep. the experiments because. Yep. These are the people who are trying to discriminate amongst, you know, unbelievably, unimaginably huge numbers of collisions in these bubble chambers. You know, what things are interesting and what aren't. They're the people who are asking the hard questions. You know, what if this was a cosmic ray? What if it was this? They are applying what I call real physics, which is the, the kind of very intense critical analysis of the physical data in order to find a signal, to find some sort of process, something that, that could be related to physics. Yeah. Most yeah. most of the theory people are, are just hot smokers. I mean in obviously not necessarily literally, but in the sense of their attitudes. Um, the, the attitudes are just, you know, um, let's think beautiful thoughts. But I mean a lot of the thoughts aren't very beautiful. They're quite ugly, you know, because you, you, you're striving and you try something, it doesn't work, it's not a good theory, you throw it out, you start again, and that's what makes the process interesting. And if people are just going to um, be very kind of uncritical, they're not going to do good science. Yeah, and I thought I think that the, this, this new uh, revelation coming out of the uh, neutrino facet and light experiments is another good example, and, and that, that to me is on the good side where Ultimately, the experiments have to support the theory, and yeah. and I don't know yet whether you know. I guess they're going to retest um, on whether indeed it was the cable that was that was uh, loose that was loose, or whether the neutrino went faster than light. One of the two, um, but that's a good example of sort of taking a step back and redoing it. And that's where you got to give the scientists credit. I mean, I'm not. I I my problem is. When, when you have a theory that's obviously wrong or, or incomplete, but to pretend as if it's the final word. Uh, well, right. Now, if they'd said to me in 1984, um, oh, so you think you can do better than the normalized perturbation theory, let's see you try. Right. You know, here's three years of money or one, even one year of money. Um, that's not what happened. Right. You know? They didn't even want to talk to me. As far as I'm concerned, I was no, they were concerned. I was no longer one of them. I was not part of their club, and, and they didn't want they didn't want anything more to do with me. Yeah. Well. Uh, 
you know, where the difference with the particles and light neutrinos is, you know, they've got uh, a thousand people, well, tens of thousand people saying, you know, this is such a well-tested theory that you, you've got to have been doing something wrong. But on the other hand, you know, they keep the little window open. If you really have got neutrinos going past the speed of light, we are very interested. And then they, if it could be tracked to a loose cable, then fine. But, you know, people are keeping an open mind in the way that they were not with me in, in 1984, possibly because there was only one of me, right. where there's a whole team of them in, in the Gran Sasso Laboratory in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, as I said, uh, I personally have faith that the, that the truth remains standing, and, un and unfortunately sometimes it takes a long time. But you've got to keep... Uh, it, it does not hurt to be critical and to um, and to put people to task when the, either the data doesn't support the theory or the theory uh, is contrived. So, Doctor, I will let you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you well, once again, and thank you for the extra time here. Um, but I will I will send you a, a, a link to the show. It will be out on March 12th, okay. I believe. And, okay. and hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we will follow up a little bit here or there to see what happens. But but good luck to you, and I really appreciate your time. Okay, nice talking to you. Okay, take care yeah, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, take care. Bye-bye. I think that um, from the side of thinking about this positively or optimistically, the whole uh, enterprise of science is based upon looking for uh, the truth that remains standing or the theory that will withstand all criticism. And so what we've said on this show um, with, with, with Dr. Oakley here is that the current quantum field theory has a fundamental and some would say fatal flaw in that it requires a renormalization or a fudging of the mathematics in order to remove infinite quantities. And however fancy that sounds, at the end of the day, there is some cheating, some doctoring of the mathematics going on, and therefore it looks as if this is not the right theory, and that science's quest for that ultimate theory of reality is not yet over. Now, Doctor, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Um, it's been very informative. We've dealt with a difficult topic, but I, want, I wanted the listeners to understand that this is something we should all be paying attention to because it shows that, as I said, the job of science is not yet over. I would um, encourage folks to look up uh, Dr. Oakley on his website uh, and, and take a look at his article, The Search for a Quantum Field Theory. And uh, I'll give you the website. It looks like it's www.cgoakley, O-A-K-L-E-Y. Uh, and you'll see that... His his thinking is even though it's radical, it's also very tight, and his uh, his support is actually by some of the leaders uh, in in the scientific um, community, or at least the historic scientific community. Uh, doctor, I'd like to thank you for your time. Uh, it, it's been it's been as I said very educational. And this is Philip Mirton. My website is www.heavenattheendofscience.com where you can learn more about my own views on these and many other topics in the same area. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
Thank you very much. Thank you.